Well, good morning. Good to see everybody here at the chapel. Um, got a couple comments to make. We'll have, we'll have a word of prayer, and then we'll turn it over to our worship team, who's always a great blessing to us. We thank you all for being with us. Um, if, if you're visiting with us for the first time, or even the second or third time, we're really happy that you're here. And you can get some more information about the chapel if you go out the door right to the right. There's a, a little kiosk there, and folks will be happy to talk to you or get you information. And I always tell people, stay around. We got all kinds of good food back here. Eat up. Don't eat enough for lunch necessarily, but you can have like a little snack and back there and enjoy yourself. And I hope you'll be able to do that and then get to know us a little bit better. But we're really happy that you're with us. As you may or may not know, this is uh, Sanctity of Life Sunday. Um, and there was a big march down in uh, D.C. on Friday. And um, just thinking about that, we have a lot to rejoice over and a lot more work to continue to do, don't we? We rejoice that Roe versus Wade was overturned. That's a great thing. That's a great thing. But we realize much work needs to be done at the state level. So we encourage you, encourage you there to be involved as a Christian and citizen in ways that are appropriate. I was just, uh, you know, CareNet is one of our groups in the area. There's groups in the area that you can get involved in. So there's a lot of things you can do to really help and minister to folks. A couple things, stats are just stats, but if you stop and think about it, something. Um, I went onto the Sanctity of Life website, and they talk about the fact that since 1973, there's been 63 million aborted babies. That's a lot. In the U.S., in 2020, 930,000 in 2020. That would be per day, 2,548 per hour, 106 or one abortion every 34 seconds. And yet God tells us in Isaiah 49, 1, the Lord, the Lord called me from the womb, from the body of my mother, he named my name. That's what we believe. And so on this day, we want to remember afresh, we praise God for victories, we know that there's much yet to be done in this area. And just prayerfully ask God, what would he have you to do in this area? Well, one thing we can do is we can have babies. Right? Well, yeah. You have to look at your situation. You know what I'm saying? But if you're able to, and you're married, and yes, all these caveats, okay? I get myself in trouble here, Tim. Okay. In a biblical way, have babies. Okay? That's what I'm saying. All right? Um, are the Minerlees with us today? How, how are you guys doing? Um, we would just like to rejoice because Olive, and I'm going to, if I mispronounce your last name, will you forgive me? Is, is it Duggart or Dugart? Dugart, okay. Because my name is Doug, so when I, when I saw D-O-U-G, I was thinking maybe it's Duggart, but Dugart, okay. Olive Dugart was born at 3.8 pounds but now almost 10 pounds at three months. And for that, we rejoice. So praise the Lord for that. There's much to be thankful for. Um, the Monahans have triplets, right? Can you imagine that? That is, uh, 
So when we say have babies, they like really went, they're like, yeah, it's quite a bit. But, but much to rejoice over. Um, that's part of what we can do as Christians for sure. So let's look to the Lord in prayer and thank him for his goodness, even in the midst of challenging times. Father, we rejoice that you knew us by name in the womb. Um, we rejoice that your son came and died for us and rose from the grave. We rejoice that by accepting you as Lord and Savior, we can be different people with a secure future and a reconciled relationship with you. Father, so much that we rejoice in. Yet, Father, our hearts grieve over what we see so often in the world around us, the most innocent among us, lives being snuffed out. Lord, help us. Help us to value what you value. When you said in Genesis chapter 2, God blessed them and told them to fill the earth. That was a blessing. Children are a blessing from you. And so, Father, may we do our part. May you change us as individuals from the inside out so we can move into a hurting world with your love and with the wonders of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Father, continue to do your good work in our lives today now as we sing worship praises to you and then hear a message from your word. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. Today, and we won't be quiet. 
church rejoices this morning lord looks to you as our guide as our leader you are the king of glory you're the god who saves you're not the god who judges and sits there and does nothing you're the god who saves the only god who saves in sending your son to die for us and lord we rejoice this morning of course in our hearts there is that that unending peace lord that we are set free that we are set for heaven we are saved we are redeemed and yet we also know we are not perfect we struggle we labor like doug talked about this morning but there's still work to be done in so many areas and we know ultimately lord human decisions will fail us but we look to you god as our guide we know that one day you're returning you're coming back 
to set right. So Lord, as we continue to worship you this morning, may our hearts be full of joy, but also concern at the same time. Of what do we do? What are you calling us to do? You're calling us to rejoice this morning, but what are you calling us to do when we leave from this place? Lord, continue to minister to us as we bless you and worship this morning. I've carried a burden. I've carried a burden for too long on my own. And I wasn't created to bear it alone. I hear your invitation to let it all go I see it now I'm laying it down and I know that I need you I run to the Father I fall into grace I'm done with the hiding no reason to wait my heart needs a surgeon my soul needs a friend so I run to the Father again and again and again and again. Oh, oh, oh. You saw, you saw my condition had a plan from the start. Your son for redemption. Thank you, Lord. The price for my heart. And I don't have a contest for that kind of love. I don't understand. I don't understand. I can't comprehend. And all I know is I need you. So I run to the Father. I fall into grace. I'm done with the hiding, no reason to wait. My heart needs a surgeon, my soul needs a friend. So I'll run to the Father again and again and again and again. Oh, oh, again and again and again and again. Bye. 
needs a surgeon, my soul needs a friend, so I'll run to the Father again and again. I run to the Father, I fall into grace, I'm done with the hiding, no reason to wait. My heart found a surgeon, my soul found a friend, so I'll run to the Father again and again and again and again. Again and again and again and again. Oh, 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 again and again. my mind and I cast my mind to Calvary where Jesus bled and died for me I see his wounds his hands his feet my Savior on that cursed tree His body bound and drenched in tears. They laid him down in Joseph's tomb. The entrance sealed by heaven's stone. Messiah still and all alone. Yes, he did that for us. He 
God, we praise you in the midst of the turbulent storms of our own lives and the issues on this planet, God. You're calling us to praise you this morning. We thank you that we've done that with our congregation, God. We thank you, Lord, for sending your son to stand in my place so that I can go free. And not just me, but the whole planet. We're not alone. We're not alone in the universe. It's not just us and nothing out there. And Lord, we see it in people who don't know you, God. They're looking for something. If I can just stay young forever. If I can just change the person I'm married to. If we could just do more advancements in science and into outer space, Lord, we can figure things out. And Lord, it's beautiful that you've created this inquisitiveness in human beings. You've created us to want to search, to look for something. And Lord, as Christians, we feel that we have found that. And it's more than a feeling. We know we found it. We know we found our purpose in our life. And Lord, we struggle. It's hard. It's hard to be a human being. But the best thing about your, our salvation is that you were a human being. That Jesus is not just some ethereal God that 
sits up in heaven. He's a real living person that existed and died the death that I deserve and then rose again and is alive now and ascended into heaven and is one day coming back in that same way. It's unbelievable. We thank you this morning that we can sing these songs together and that in the future, Lord, I'll be with my Christian brothers and sisters and we'll sing your endless praise forever and ever. God, help us to continue to worship as we hear your word this morning. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. Good morning. Children, you could be dismissed for junior church. And the rest of you, you can turn to Ecclesiastes chapter 11 as we continue our series. Under the sun, S-U-N, under the sun, S-O-N. So I was thinking, I, I entitled the passage, uh, the message, Living with Uncertainty. And we have a lot of challenging times today. Today is extremely uncertain. Um, you turn on the news day after day and there's a new thing that's coming out that is surprising us, that is challenging our faith, uh, challenging what we believe to be true, uh, challenging us as individuals. There's so much challenge today. There's economic challenges, there are moral challenges, there are significant challenges that are happening around us. And this passage is also speaking to a time when there are significant challenges and how do you handle it? Um, Solomon, the writer, has been spending the first part of this book really focusing on the fact of foolishness and the things that you are looking to try to gain um, pleasure and prosperity in life and he's saying that it's meaningless, it's vanity, it's chasing after the wind. Um, but Solomon is saying that, you know what, these things are foolish, you should not be doing it. But on the flip side, he says, these are things that you should be doing in your life. And he's going to give us a series of things here at the end of the book that we should be doing in order to have right movement in life. I was thinking about during challenging times and uncertain times, how do people tend to react? Some people will become proactive, some people will become reactive, but the reality is, is that when, I, when you go through challenging times, people tend to react in certain ways. I was thinking about uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, these three, three young men, and when they were facing challenging times, you remember back in Daniel 3, when they were called to bow before this idol, they said this in Daniel 3, if this be so, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from this burning, fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But if not, be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship your golden image that you have set up. In the midst of the challenge, in the midst of the trials, in the midst of the uncertain times, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego leaned on what they could be assured of. They could be assured of who God is. Peter, centuries later, 
Um, after Jesus Christ died, rose, and ascended to heaven, Peter was put as a leader of the church, and at one time, he was now being challenged not to speak the gospel. As many Christians were, they were being attacked for their faith. They were being threatened that if they worshiped God, that they could, and speak the truth of God, that they could be punished severely. They could be persecuted for obedience to Christ. Obedience involved their submission and their surrender to God. And, and Peter in Acts 5 said, we must obey God rather than man. Well, if you want to go centuries even further than that, Martin Luther stood and needed to recant the gospel, recant Christian teaching if he was going to keep his life. He was either going to be excommunicated from the church or he could die. And he said this bold statement, unless I am convinced by scripture and by plain reason and not by popes and councils who have often contradicted themselves. My conscience is captive to the word of God. To go against conscience is neither right nor safe. I cannot, I will not recant. Here I stand, I can do no other. God help me. You know, we see that in the religious realm, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Peter, and Martin Luther. But there were people in the political realm that took a stand for truth in the midst of the challenges of their time. Abraham Lincoln is one of my heroes. Abraham Lincoln, on, the, on January 1st, 1863, he signed the Emancipation Proclamation. He said that, henceforth, you are forever free. He set my people and my family members free on that day. Months later at the Gettysburg Address, he said, four score and seven years ago, my, our fathers brought forth in this continent a new nation conceived in liberty and dedicated to the proposition that all men are created equal. And the, the bold statement that he made in the Emancipation Proclamation, the bold statement that he made in this Gettysburg Address was to take a strong stand for truth in spite of the challenges that were happening around him. In the 1900s in Britain, Winston Churchill stood before a congregation of people and they wanted him to appease, they wanted him to surrender to the Nazis and he says, never, never give in. I will never. Over and over again, Martin Luther King Jr. In the, at uh, March in Washington, my mom was there. He says, I have a dream that one day this nation will rise up and live out the true meaning of its creed. Going back, we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. There were times in history, and I could have picked tons of people, when you are challenged, some people act recklessly and they don't think through their situations. And when they do that, they act on their emotions. And when they act on their emotions or their perceived wisdom, they rush headlong into disaster. That's what some people do in challenges. Other people, when they are challenged, they struggle with fear and they struggle with panic and they get paralyzed. They set unrealistic goals for themselves. They go through this paralysis and they go into passivity. It's not good either. But there are some people that don't go into impulsivity, acting without thinking, and some don't go into fatalism and give up. Some stand firm in the midst of the trials. And what I think that Solomon is getting at here is this, that in, here's my key point, in the times of uncertainty, be prudent. 
be patient, be persevering, don't get paralyzed by panic. So in times of uncertainty, be prudent, be patient, be persevering, don't give in to panic and paralyzed by panic. Let's look at this passage in Ecclesiastes chapter 11, it's only six verses. Ecclesiastes chapter 11, we're gonna be looking at verses one through six. It goes this way. Cast your bread upon the waters, for you will find it after many days. Give a portion to seven or even to eight, for you not know, you do not know what disaster may happen on earth. If the clouds are full of rain, they empty themselves on the earth. And if a tree falls to the south or to the north, in the place where it falls, there it will lie. He who observes the wind will not sow, and he who regards the clouds will not reap. As you do not know, the way of the spirit comes to the bones in the woman, the womb of a woman with child, so you do not know that the work of God who makes everything. In the morning sow your seed, and in the evening withhold not your hand, for you do not know which will prosper, this or that, or whether both alike will be good. Well, this is the sufficient, eternal, authoritative, life-giving, and life-changing word. Would you pray with me? So Father, we were giving some examples of people that took bold stands in the midst of uncertainty. Some of them were believers in your son, some of them weren't. But they took a bold stand, Father. They were wired with, with your um, image in their lives and they took a bold stand for truth in the midst of the challenges. We not only are wired with your image, but many of us here in this room know you because we have a personal relationship with you in the Lord Jesus Christ. So I pray that we would take even a bolder stand. Thank you for the word that you've given us that tells us how to live. So as we read through this passage, as we work through it this morning, I pray that you would teach us about ourselves, teach us about you, and teach us how you would order us to live our lives. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So my outline um, is going to start with this point every time. In times of uncertainty, and then I'll give you a couple of words. So in times of uncertainty, number one, be courageous, be courageous. In times of uncertainty, I want you to be courageous. I need you to be willing to take some risk. Look at what Ecclesiastes chapter 11, verse one says. Cast your bread upon the water, for you will find it after many days. It's interesting, this is probably a little bit, it's probably very confusing, it is confusing. Um, as I was looking through the commentaries, it, they, have, they have a bunch of different ideas. And this idea of casting your bread upon the waters could be um, bread seed that you cast upon the waters and as it goes across, across, across the waters, it floats there for a little bit and then it drops and then eventually it becomes a harvest down the road. That's possible. Um, I don't think it's uh, a loaf of bread that they're putting on the waters and just letting it float. Um, but whatever it is, there seems to be a precept, a command that's here. He, God says, cast your bread upon the waters. So that's the command. But then he says, for you will find it. There's a promise here, which is so cool, that follow God's precept, and then there's a promise, but then he says that you will get it after many days. You need to be patient. 
one of the things that we have a tendency to do in uncertain times is that we tend to fear. And, and, and on certain times, economically, we tend to hold on to things and we, we are afraid. And what he's saying is, I want you to be courageous. I want you to be bold. Now, the application of this for some, the commentators are all over the place as well. They, some think it's about charity, that what we're supposed to do is to cast our bread and give charitably to a church or to a ministry or to somebody, and then you'll get back a benefit. I guess it could be, but it doesn't seem like it fits the context. Others think it, this casting is like a senseless action. You're just throwing out money. You're just throwing out your times and talents. And who knows, maybe God can do something about it. That's a possibility, but that doesn't seem to be accurate either. What it probably is, is that you are called to do overseas trading at the time. What they had was you had some type of thing that you wanted to sell, and you would, should sell it not only in your land, but think about selling that in other lands. And in economic times, we have a tendency to go backwards and hold on to things. He's saying, I want you to take a little bit of a risk. And so in this, you need to be courageous. Solomon himself was known to um, send his goods across lands and tradable things and ships. Now, the thing about ships at this time is that you would put it on a ship, but then you would not be able to contact that ship because there was no radio, there was no radar. You would send that ship out and you would have to wait many, many days to find out if you were going to get it back. They would have to go from where you are to the place where they were going to sell their goods, and then they would have to turn back with your money and come back to you. And you couldn't just all of a sudden pull them up on a GPS. You couldn't all of a sudden connect with them. You would have to wait. And so what he's saying here is this. I want you to be, I want you to be courageous. I want you to take a bold step in the midst of this trial. It's risky. Don't give in to fear. Be courageous. And he moves into a second piece that connects with it in verse 2. In times of uncertainty, don't just be courageous. Be wise. He says, be willing to spread your assets and diversify them. Watch what he says in verse 2. He says, give a portion to seven or even to eight, for you do not know what disaster may happen on earth. Now, I'll highlight that one phrase, you do not know. He'll actually use it three other times, four times in total in the six verses. And I, in fact, I thought about entitling the message, you do not know, but I'll come back to that in a moment. But he says this, he says, I want you to be courageous and I want you to do something in, with business orientation. I want you to think about taking risks. Don't worry about the storms. Don't worry about the bandits. Don't worry about the waiting. Just do something. Be courageous. But then he says, I want you to be wise in that. How many people have you heard of that have given all of their investments to one group, right? So they poured all their money into this one business, or they poured all of this mon their money into one stock, and then that business goes out of business, or that stock implodes, and they've lost everything. And so what he's saying is this, that in uncertain times, I want you to be courageous, but in uncertain times, I want you to be wise. I want you to think about diversifying, putting it in a number of different areas, seven or even eight areas, because if you do that, even if one implodes, you still have the opportunity to be safe with the others. That's important counsel. That's wise counsel. Because disaster, interestingly enough, he says disaster 
will happen on earth. And I hate to tell you this, but disaster does happen day after day in our lives. And, and we need to be wise in taking these next steps. Risk is not a justification for inaction. So what he's saying is just because it's risky, that doesn't mean that you go, should go to passivity. And we shouldn't go to um, procrastination. We should go and live in a wise way. So I was thinking about those two points, about the fact that we should be courageous and that we should be wise. I was thinking about not just economically, but how about your times and your talents that are provided maybe even here in this church. Maybe you should think about taking yourself and using, being used by God to be used in a number of different areas in the church. Maybe not just one, maybe there are several areas that you can do. And maybe it's not just here in the church, maybe it's thinking about other ministries that you can connect with, and other people, and as you diversify, as you're courageous, and you're sowing your seed out there, you're sowing the seed of the gospel out there, and you're being wise as you're diversifying, you're saying this to a number of different people, you are giving the opportunity to invest in others and in the kingdom of God. And you don't, may not know what the return is, and the return may not come for years, but there is a potential return because God promises that he can work in you and through you. Well, that leads to the third point. See, in uncertain times, we need to be courageous, and in uncertain times, we need to be wise, but in, in uncertain times, we need to be aware. Verse three, it says, if the clouds are full of rain, they empty themselves on earth, and if a tree falls to the south or the north, in the place where it falls, there it will lie. And what he's saying, I think, is that there's some things that you can reasonably interpret. If we look outside and we look at the clouds and they look heavy with rain, it looks dark, the reality is, is that in all likelihood it's probably going to rain. If we see a tree that's tottering back and forth and eventually it's starting to lean, in all likelihood, it is probably going to fall. There's things in nature that we can reasonably know well. That's, that's important for us to do. We, we need to be aware of what's happening around us. I think about our times that we're living in economically. I think about our times that we're living in politically. I think about our times that we're living in morally. We should be aware of what's happening around us. We shouldn't be closing our eyes to it. We shouldn't be closing our ears to it. We should be seeing the signs and interpreting those signs reasonably. We need to be aware, courageous. We need to be wise, but we need to be open our eyes. So when the rain comes, and it will, and the trees fall, and they do, we need to not be paralyzed by that. In fact, we need to do exactly the opposite. We need to get to work. That's where he goes into the fourth verse. In times of uncertainty, we need to be active. Be active. I don't want you to become overwhelmed or paralyzed by passivity because you're waiting for the perfect time. It's funny, you know, as, I, as you preach through passages of scripture, um, there are things that you want to share with the congregation and then there are other things that God just keeps ramming back at me and it's like, ah, James, here's your verse. Verse four, he who observes the wind will not sow, and he who regards the clouds will not reap. What is he saying? He's saying that all of this over-analysis that you do, constantly thinking that you could predict outcomes, you can't. 
So just be active. Stop being passive. You know, for some people, they struggle with perfectionism. You know, they believe that anything less than perfect is unacceptable. They, they get to a point where all they do is they think about their mistakes and they beat themselves up or they, they find themselves so totally, they think they're so totally powerful that they can control events and you can't. And they only see themselves as accomplishing anything if they have some great feet, and if they don't, they feel depressed and discouraged and overwhelmed. And, and you live your life by these shoulds and these unrealistic goals. And, and what Solomon is saying here is this, observe, but don't over-observe. Don't get so caught up in the things that are happening around you that you miss what you should be doing. Be active, do something, you know? For some, I know that they will rewrite and write and write and rewrite and write and paper and they don't hand it in. And I get a student and it's like, well, you didn't hand in the paper. And it's like, well, I was, I needed to make it perfect. Well, you missed the deadline. Hand it in. It's better than a zero, right? Perfectionism leads to procrastination, which leads to paralysis. Some of us get ruled by risk. And we think we could figure out a way to avoid all risk, and you can't. And Solomon's counsel here is that in, in uncertain times, be active. Don't become paralyzed by this passivity. Don't become paralyzed by the things that are happening around you. In fact, you may fail. That's okay. Christ never failed. And God can take even your failures and bring something good out of it. See, when you make the problem big, then you've got to try to fix it. If you make God big, he can fix any of the struggles in your life, the greatest struggles in your life. So in uncertain times, fifth, we need to be humble. I like this. We need to acknowledge that you do not know and you need to trust God in the midst of all these things, that he knows all and he's in control of all. Now, he, he just said a little bit ago that we need to interpret the times and we need to be aware. There are certain things in nature that we can be aware of. But he's saying here that you need to be humble in the midst of it. There are tons of things you don't know. There's a lot I don't know. Verse 5. As you do not know the way the spirit comes into the bones in the womb of a woman with child, so you do not know the work of God who makes everything. Twice in this verse, four times in six verses, he uses this phrase, you do not know, you do not know. Twice in this one verse. And he takes this section, he says, you do not know, you do not know. And what he is saying, he goes to a mystery. The mystery of how a body within a woman's womb becomes a living life. That a soul joined to this body becomes a life, which is probably one of a very strong verse to talk about the fact that what is in a woman's womb is a life. We have spirit and we have body within the womb. It's life on this Sanctity of Life Sunday. It's, it's interesting that in God's sovereignty that this verse would be one of the verses that we would be preaching from. When you have a body that is separated from a soul or a spirit, what do you have? You have a corpse. You don't have life. But when you have a body that is with a, a spirit, you have life, and that's life in the womb, life right from the very womb all the way to the time that we will see Christ 
face to face. But what the preacher is saying here is that there's this great mystery. You don't know how you came into being. You know the genetic, you know the biology behind it, but you don't know why God sovereignly chose to put you in your mother's womb. You don't know it. Why were you born on a certain day? You don't know why. It's a mystery. And we need to be humble in saying that I just don't get this, God. I don't understand, but I do know this. You know. That you know all things, God, and you are in control of every little thing. As R.C. Sproul used to say, there's not even a maverick molecule in this universe. There's not even one small molecule in this universe that God is not sovereignly aware of and sovereignly in control of. So in midst of your uncertain times, you need to be humble. Last verse says this, in the times of uncertainty, we need to be diligent. We need to be diligent. In spite of all of life's challenges, we need to live faithfully, trust God and his word. Watch what he says, verse six. In the morning, sow your seed, and at evening, withhold not your hand, for you do not know which will prosper, this or that, whether it both alike will be good. Now, I'm not completely sure what he means by this. He could be meaning that in the morning you sow your seeds and you sow seeds throughout the whole day till evening. So he's, you continue to sow seed throughout the whole day. That's possible. I think it's probably more likely that he says that you sow your seed in the morning, one. You're going to continue to work throughout the day, but now at the end of the day, you're going to sow your seed again, two. So two different sowings, and, and if that's correct, I wonder if it's also two different types of seeds that he's sowing. Because in the morning, sow your seed, and at the evening, withhold not your hand, for you do not know which morning or evening seed will prosper. This or that, both alike will be good. So the issue is this, I can't be guaranteed that when I sow the seed out there that it's going to bring forth something. I can't be guaranteed of that. But what am I called to do? I need to be diligent. I need to continue to sow the seed and let God be responsible for the increase. I think that's wise counsel for us. It's wise counsel because we have a tendency, once again, to try to control everything, right? We have this belief that we can control everything and that if we do everything right, then it's going to work out. It may not. And that God in his sovereignty may say no. God in his sovereignty may say yes. God in his sovereignty may say wait. But that's why he is telling us in the times of uncertainty, you need to be prudent, you need to be wise, and you need to be patient. You need to wait on God, and you need to be persevering, diligent in your life. Why? Don't be paralyzed by panic in your life. So if I were going to try to apply this in multiple ways, I, I want you to think about this first, because if I were bringing this home first, you need to believe the gospel. Now, you don't see a whole lot of gospel here in this section, but, but what I will ask you to consider is this. Jesus Christ came here to live a perfect and righteous life for you, courageously. Jesus stood there and said, Father, take this cup from me, because he knew 
human Jesus, knew that I'm going to die a painful death and Jesus was going to take sin upon himself and there was going to be this separation of some way, mystery, between he and the Father because of your sin. I don't want this. Is there another way, perhaps? I guess the human Jesus says that, or in his mind. We need to be courageous. We need to be wise. There is no one like Jesus. Jesus knew all things. He submitted himself to the Father's will. Jesus is aware. How many times did he look and say, I knew truth? Jesus was active, he was never passive. Jesus was humble, he humbled himself to the point of death, even death on the cross. And Jesus said, I have finished my work. How many of you have ever taken the point to bend your knee to the Father, bend your knee to the Son, and ask him to come into your life and to save you? The reality is this, that all of these things that we have that are here on this list, very good things, courageous, wise, aware, active, humble, diligent, the reality is, is that every single one of us, these are all about earth, every single one of us are going to stand before God at one day and have to give an account. And all your courageous things and all your wise things and all the things that you're aware of and all the activities and all the humility of your life will not lead you to salvation. What will only lead you to salvation is trusting in the one who never sinned, who never failed, who never faltered, who stood firm for you. But there's a second way I want you to think about this, is it's gospel living. Gospel living, Jesus applied this in Mark chapter 4, verse 26 and 29. He said, and he said, that the kingdom of God is as if a man were to scatter seed on a ground. He sleeps and rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows, and he knows not how. The earth produces by itself, first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe, at one point he puts in a sickle, because the harvest has come. Jesus talked about not only the fact that we need to trust him as our Lord and Savior in gospel, but he also talked about there should be a gospel living in our lives. We should be living out this gospel living, that, that sowing and reaping, what the theme here in Ecclesiastes is the same theme that Jesus said, sow the seeds. I don't know who here is not a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. I, I really don't. I don't know who here knows Christ. I don't know who here needs to uh, redeem and turn away from specific sin in their lives, I have no idea. What we're called to do is to sow, and we may reap, but God is the one that brings about that increase. Last thing I, I see here is this. Solomon's exhortation is that we live wisely, that we live faithfully, that we live joyfully in the midst of the trials. Wisely. There's a lot of craziness that is being spoken of around this world today. What I need you to focus on is not the craziness of this world, but I need you to be gospel-centered and biblically-centered. You need to interpret the times in light of God's word. Live wisely. 
But then you need to live faithfully. And living faithfully means that you take a stand in the midst of this time, just like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, or Peter, or um, who else did I use? Um, Martin Luther, Abraham Lincoln. They took a stand in the midst of their time, regardless of what could happen to their lives, regardless of the persecution they may have to endure, they took a, a bold stand. So it's not just living wisely, it's living faithfully. For some of us as Christians in our day, we have been threatened that if you speak up in this way, you will be shamed. If you speak up in this way, you will be canceled. If you speak up in this way, you could even lose your job. You may lose family members. And it is so hard in the midst of this time because it would be very easy to become passive. And the counsel here is this, live wisely, but live faithfully. Jesus was faithful. We are faithless. He remains faithful because he will not deny himself. It's not just living wisely. It's not just living faithfully, but it's living joyfully. Why? God's only mentioned once in those six verses, which is interesting to me. Talks about all these things that we need to do, but he mentions only God once, but he talks about the fact that God knows all and is in control of all. And so I can take joy in the midst of that. I can take joy in the fact that I can live wisely, be faithful, but the joy is in the fact that I have a sovereign God who is infinitely wise, who is perfectly loving, who is ever present with me, and I don't want to get overwhelmed by the things that are happening around me because God is with me. So in conclusion, I want you to think about this. In uncertain times of life, and there are going to be tons, I need you to be prudent. And prudent means that you are going to be courageous and you're going to be bold and wise. But prudent also means that you're going to interpret the times. You're going to be aware. But then you need to be patient. Sow the seeds. How many times as a leader or a counselor or whoever, we've sown seeds as pastors and we're hoping and praying and this person still hasn't come to faith and we pray for them. Week after week, month after month, year after year, sometimes it's decades and then some of you actually come to faith, praise the Lord, because that seed finally settles. How many times have you prayed for a marriage and you want that marriage to be reconciled and you sow seeds into that marriage and that marriage is reconciled? Be patient, be prudent, be persevering. Guess what? Don't be paralyzed by panic. Don't get overwhelmed by what is happening around you. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in this world. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I praise you for the fact that you never, you never faltered, you never failed. Standing on the heavy weight of having to bear sin, Lord, I can't even imagine that the holy God taking on human sin and taking on the wrath that your father would have for our sin, you took it upon yourself. Lord Jesus, I can't, I can't even comprehend. Yes, the physical death was terrible, but the spiritual things that you had to deal with for us to be set free. I praise you. 
I thank you, Father, that you planned to send your son before this world was ever created. I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you regenerate us. You open our eyes. You draw us to faith. Just like the mystery of physical birth, I don't even know the mystery of spiritual rebirth, Lord, but I thank you for the fact that you, you break us out of death. You break us out of darkness. You break us out of bondage. You break us out of the hold of Satan, and you set us free. Praise you, Lord. I thank you for the gospel. Father, I pray that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And I pray that the vast majority, if not every person that hears me today, will do that because they are believers in your son at that day. I pray that none of us will be doing it outside of faith in your son. And then, Father, as we live in the uncertain times, which we have today, I pray that you would help us to to be courageous and to be wise and to be aware and to be humble and to be active. And Father, I pray that you would remind us that you work all things together for good by your grace and for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Sing what I fear. When I fear my faith will fail, Christ will hold me fast. When the tempter would prevail, he will hold me fast. I could never keep my hold. Through life's fearful path, for my love is often gold, he must hold me fast, he will hold me fast, he will hold me fast, for my Savior loves me so. He will hold me back. Those he saves. Those he saves are his delight. Christ will hold me fast. Precious in his holy sight. He will hold He'll not let my soul be lost His promises shall last Bought by Him at such a cost He will hold me fast He will hold me fast He will hold me fast For my so he will hold me fast for my life for my life he bled and died Christ will hold me fast 
Justice has been satisfied. He will hold me fast. Raise with him to endless life. He will hold me fast till our faith is turned to sight. When he comes at last, he So he will hold me fast. Oh, he will hold me fast. He will hold me fast. For my Savior loves me so. He will hold me Lord, we know that you will hold us fast. We know our Savior loves us so. God, as we go into our weeks from here, may we not be panicked. May we not be paralyzed, Lord, as we face the struggles of this world, as we interact with those who are looking for hope. May we not be paralyzed by fear, by what we're going to say. We have a, a big God who understands every single moment that we're going through and understands that we are the mouthpieces through which the gospel is proclaimed and presented. So as we go into this week, God, may we just exude hope to people and talk about ourselves, talk about where we've come from, what we've gone through, and how Jesus has saved us and set us on that path of hope. God, we thank you for our church this morning. We ask that they are blessed as they leave this place and may you be glorified in their lives this week and bring us back safely next week. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Have a nice week.